Hi, welcome to another look at giving. I'm Chikudu. Do you know that money is neutral? Money is amoral. There's nothing wrong with money. Rather, rather, it is the hand that controls money. It is the hand that the money is in. And the heart that is holding that money is what makes money to be used for evil or to be used for good. If the heart that controls the money is good, the money in its possession will be used for good. If the heart that controls that money is evil, that money will be used for evil. Money on its own is neutral. Money on its own is immoral. Money answered all things, both good, evil, the bad, and the ugly. But what determines what money will answer is the heart that's holding it. So my brothers and my sisters, don't run away from money. Don't run away from being wealthy. If you have a good heart, God needs people like you. So we can change the world. We can do good. We can do charitable works. We can help the less privileged. We can help the needy. We can use our money and chase away evil. Yes, money can chase away evil. That's the truth. So you bet as a good-hearted human being, don't run away from money. As a child, I used to be like, I don't want money. Oh, I don't want to be too rich because we were raised and thought that money was evil. And if you don't sit down to consciously reprogram your mind, you will never have money. You will never see money. So I had to sit down over a long period of time to change my paradigm, to reprocess and re-engineer my thought process and my mind. Now, I know that money is not good and money is not bad. But money in my possession will be used for good. So I believe and trust God for a lot of it so I can change the world, so I can cause a change in my society and bring the power of God's kingdom. See you at the next one. Hi, welcome to another look at giving. I'm Chikudan. Today we're going to follow up from the last episode where we talked about money is your life. So you're going to look at the amount you give does not matter. And that is the truth. You see what Jesus said in that place in Mark chapter 12, we looked at in the previous episode. That when the rich men gave their lots, Jesus said they've given from their abundance. But when that widow just gave two fathoms, Jesus said she has given her life. She has given her living. Though the amount she gave is small, and the amount the others gave is much, Jesus said the one that gave small, I'll give the ones that give plenty. That tells me something. God does not look at the quantity of what you give. God looks at the quantity left after you have given. <laughs> Ironic, isn't it? But the ways of God are not the ways of man. As far as the heavens are far from the earth, as far as the east is from the west, so is God's thoughts, so is God's principles, policies, modus operandi, uh, is far from us. God checks what you have left after you've given. The quantity you give doesn't matter, but the quantity left after you've given is what heaven uses to measure the quality of your offering. The more you're giving, move from mere giving into sacrificial giving, the more return you will get as a result of your giving. So don't be too perturbed about the quantity you've given to God. But always encourage yourself at the quality of your offering, measured by the quantity that is left after you've given. See you at the next one. Hi, hello, this is Chikudu. Welcome to another look at giving. 
you know, there's a lot of things going on now in Christendom. You know, Satan has been using a lot of vessels to stifle the church. And when I mean the church, I don't mean the building, I don't mean the pastor, I mean you, listening to me. You are the church. God wants you to prosper. Satan does not want you to prosper. Satan does not want you to have a good life. Because one of the ways you're going to have a good life is by giving. So he has used a lot of voices, false prophets, to attack your prosperity. Not the pastors. But Satan is very, very, very tricky and cunning. Remember, the Bible says you should not be ignorant of his devices. Those devices are all his trickery, all his cunningness, all his fables, all his wiles. By telling you that your giving goes to prosper another man. That is a lie. <laughs> that is a big lie. Your giving goes to prosper you. One of the things he uses now is that, oh, don't tithe. That even if you must tithe, go ahead and tithe um, livestock, uh, farm produce, and all of that. That, that. That's what the Bible says. I'm not going to go into tithing because that's not my topic today. My topic today is that your money is your life. And that is the truth. Jesus sat at the offering basket and was watching what men were given during the offering. Which if a pastor does today, he's going to be on Insta blog, he's going to be on social media, and he's going to be castigated. But Jesus did that. And men, because he saw Jesus, they giving a lot of money. So Jesus might praise them. <laughs> they don't know who Jesus is. Until a widow came and dropped two fathoms, what the Bible says. And only that woman's giving made Jesus speak. He was not impressed at the lots the others were given. He said to his disciples in Matthew 12, verse 44, he said, see, that they, everyone here, gave out of their abundance, but that this widow gave all that she had. And he said, she gave her living. It's the exact thing that the woman of Zarephath gave to Elijah, where she said, I'm just gathering two sticks just to cook the handful of flour and oil to bake a cake for my son and I. We are going to eat and see what she said, then she, they will die. Your money is your life. Anytime you give your money, you've given an amount of your life. Because today you work, you get paid, you do business, you get profits. That profit, your payment, is the reward for the quantity of time, your life, you spent in that office, you spent run around for that business. That is why money is seen as a portion of your life. That is also why I said the greatest gift you can give naturally is giving your time because your time is what calibrates your life. So whenever you're paid your salary, they've calibrated your life for either a week, two weeks or one month depending on how it is paid and they paid you what they think is suitable for your life for that period. So whenever you also give out your money, you're giving it portion of your life so your money is actually a sacrifice <laughs> let me permit to put it this way and i hope you understand what i mean you're giving your money is a blood sacrifice because you're giving a quantity of your life out so you're giving your money weighs weighs a whole lot before god so don't quit giving see you at the next one Hi, hello, this is Chikudu. Welcome to Under Look at Giving. Today I'm going to talk about one of the most important um, parts of this entire series, which I call S is equal to I. S starts for savings, I starts for investment. The most important part of giving is giving to God on His cross. 
But the second most important part of giving is giving to yourself. This is one part that we don't emphasize in Christendom. And it's the most important part. Giving to yourself will ensure that you give constantly. Giving to yourself will ensure that your giving will improve over the years. What is giving to yourself? Whenever you put money aside in savings, which I advocate you do, ensure you give a percentage of your money to yourself. That's what we call savings. But there's a paradigm I want to change. Don't save because of the unexpected things that you can control. Or like they say, don't save for the rainy day. As Christians, I want you to have this new paradigm. Save for investment. Don't put money away. Paraventure something evil happens. When you do that, you are consciously calling it forth. Because we call things that be not as though they are in our minds and with our actions and our words. I always teach newlyweds or people that want to get married that they should have the culture of savings. I always tell them that what drives savings is a vision. But whenever as a family unit, you have a vision, which I call, in this case, a project. There's a project you're working on. Oh, we need to move into our own home in the next five years. Let's start putting money aside towards it. Now, living in your own home is an investment to your future. So, you're not now saving for the evil that you don't know that will happen on earth. You are putting money aside so you can pay your future self. That is saving to invest. That is the right way to save. Now, because you have that vision to live in your own house, it disciplines you when it comes to that saving. Because why a lot of times it's a save we struggle financially is because we are not obeying the principles of money. It is because we are not disciplined. So when you have a vision, a project, whatever it is, but let it be a project that will not take from your future. Let it be a project that will give to your future and improve your living standard. Then, save towards it. I'm going to see you at the next one. Bye. Hi, welcome to another look at giving. I'm Chikudumovi. Today, I'm going to let you know something. We'll give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. If you're a Christian, you have an occupation, you have something you're doing, you're making money, make sure you pay your tax. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. These are the direct words of Jesus Christ. That means God does not want you to rob Caesar of that which belongs to it. God has institutionalized government. It's an establishment that has the backing from heaven. And what they require is tax so they can govern and bring an improved living standard for the citizens under their governance. So paying your tax is scriptural. It is right. It is not wrong. When you don't pay your tax, you are going against the words of Jesus Christ, which of course are the commandments of God. So don't run away from paying your tax. Pay your tax. Give to Caesar what is Caesar. And as you do that, also ensure that you give to God what is God. If the government does not do what they're supposed to do with your tax, you can protest about it. You can write letters to the appropriate authorities. You can report the ones that are corrupt. That's also one of your duties as a citizen of that nation, that country, that government, that local government, that state government, or whatever 
government you are under but you wouldn't because of corruption not obey God's instruction pay your tax and God will bless you I'll see you at the next one Hi, hello, I'm Chikutum. Welcome to another look at giving. Today we're going to look at the love of money. And that popular scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. And a lot of times we run away with this scripture, thinking that money is bad. I grew up in a circle where you know it was thought that money is bad, being rich is bad, and all that, until knowledge increased in that same circle. And we discovered that what Paul said to Timothy there. It's not that money is evil, rather it is the love of money. God has made it clear in the commandments and in his laws that loving God with all your heart, like Jesus said, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, is the paramount commandment. It is what you rule your life. And God is a jealous God. He does not want any other thing to take his place in your life. So loving money takes away God's place in your life. That was what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 6, where he said, you cannot serve God and mammon. And I used to wonder, why was mammon put on the same pedestal with God? And I found out that it is not the evil spirit that is powerful to be put at the same pedestal with God. No, these are the two things that are seeking your love. And what you love, you worship. So that scripture is not based on God being equated with the evil spirits. Evil angels are below man. Let's not even talk about God. Evil spirits and fallen angels are then way, way, way below angels, which function with God, who are definitely way, way, way below man. So how then do you now imagine that God will be put on the same pedestal with an evil spirit? That is not so. God is supreme over every being, both good and bad. It is the question of worship. What are you worshipping? Who are you worshipping? Who have you set your heart, your affection upon? Have you set your heart and affection on money? Have you set your heart and affection on those material things? Are you in a constant chase and quest for material things? Are you in a constant chase and quest for money? That is what Jesus was addressing there. You cannot serve God and at the same time serve mammon. You cannot worship God and at the same time worship mammon. Your heart, your love must be for one. If you love God, automatically don't love mammon. If you love mammon, automatically don't love God. There is no middle ground. So it is the love of money that is evil. It is the root of all evil, not money. Money is neutral. I'm going to talk about that in the next one. See you. Hi, hello, I'm Chikudem. Welcome to another look at giving. Do you know that what you give is never lost? Your giving will always yield a result. Your seeds will always yield a harvest. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1 that cast your bread upon many waters that after many days you will find it. There's a period between the seed and the harvest. There's a period between your giving and the return. There's a period between your investing and profit. That period is the process period. It's called the process. Never ever think that what you've given is lost. It is not. It is undergoing that process. It is undergoing gestation. The more quality the gift that you give is, the greater and intense the harvest. Usually, the more quality gifts you give usually takes a longer period, usually, but not, not necessarily. The Bible says in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give and it will be given back to you. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus will not lie. He does not lie. If your seed will not return back to you, he will definitely tell us. But he says, give 
and it will come back to you. It will come back the way you gave it. It's going to come back. The Bible says, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Will men give unto you? It is worth noting that it is men that is and are the channel and channels through which God will give back to you. So whenever you give, be expectant that God, who is the source, will give to you through men. That is why you have to be careful how you treat men because you don't know which of them man, woman, boy, girl, God is going to use to give back to you. So go this week, this month, throughout this year, the rest of your life, expecting from men the harvest of your seed, the return from your giving, the profit from your investment. See you at the next one. Hi, welcome to another look at giving. I'm Chikudun. Today we're going to look at one of the questions that bothers around giving. People usually ask, should I borrow to give? Is it right to borrow, to pay my vow, to pay that pledge? Is it right to borrow to do that? I'm going to start with this. Though the Bible is not entirely against borrowing, guess what? The Bible does not encourage borrowing. That's the truth. The, man, the Bible says, oh no man, anything. And like I've thought previously, the borrower is always a servant, is always subject to the lender. I don't think that God wants his people to be subject or slaves to other people. I don't think that is his intention. His intention is that every man should be a free man. And whenever you borrow, like I told you before, the man that gives, is, his hand is always above the one that receives. That doesn't mean that once in a while in your life, you will not need people to give you things. Huh? You will need people to help you. That's the truth. When it comes to borrowing, I'm not fully in support of borrowing. That's my own opinion. I believe that if you want to borrow, let it be for investment. Don't borrow to spend. You borrow money, you're going to pay back and possibly with interest to spend. It's robbing Peter to pay Paul. It's robbing your future. And it's not really intelligent to take away from your future. Because your future marks a period usually when you are not as strong as today. As you age, your strength reduces. That's what I mean by that. So if you are borrowing today to pay back tomorrow for something that will not give you the money with which to pay back your debt, it's not really intelligent. It's not really brilliant. So is it also good to borrow to pay a vow? I don't think that God will want you to do that. The Bible is so clear about vows. The Bible made it clear in Ecclesiastes 5 that if you are in church, be ready more to listen to the word, like I'm giving you the word now, then you are ready to make your vow to God. Even God is putting a caveat on making vows to him. Do you know why? He takes vows serious. He takes your pledges to him serious. He's going to hold you up to it. So be careful before you make a vow, before you make a pledge. Remember the man that went to fight on behalf of the children of Israel and said that the first that walks out of my house I'm going to sacrifice as thanksgiving to you Lord and guess who walked out of his house his only daughter and what did he do he had no choice than to sacrifice his only daughter to God because God takes vows serious and I don't believe that God will want you to borrow to pay your vow and someone, somebody might say hey, if God takes vows serious that means he will not be annoyed if I borrow to pay my vow so I'll be free from that no, that is why God says, before you even make the vow, listen, think about it first. 
first be sure that what you're about to say to God, you will be able to fulfill it. And the key verse regarding this vow issue about borrowing to pay your vow is in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12. The Bible says, stated clearly in verse 12. So before you give, let me be of a willing mind. But first, it will be accepted according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. So does that mean you should not even make a vow at all? No, it doesn't mean that. You see, in a lot of places in the scripture, where vows were made, a very popular case is Samuel. Uh, his mother, Hannah, said, Father, if you give me a child, I will give that child to you. I found that in Christian communities that when people make a vow, God will start giving them in accordance to their vow. They say, Father, I will give you so so and so when I have it. The mistake they make, and because they don't fully understand God, is that they wait till that entire amount comes to them before they give it. God will usually want to see how serious you are. And truly, if you were serious when you made that vow, any money that comes into your hands should go towards that payment. And God is watching. The money will be trickling in and he wants to see if truly you honor him and you take him serious, you take his word serious. You may be made a vow of £100. You might get £1 first. God will watch. Would you give the £1? Would you give a portion of it towards you know, paying down your vow? He will bring £10. He will watch. Would you give something out of that £10 towards paying your vow and the more you do it the more god increases what you receive that's how it's done so people mistake that giving making a vow of 100 pounds will come in bulk as 100 pounds and they will wait for the 100 pounds and the 100 pounds will come and they'll default on their vow so when you make a vow Start making that payment towards it, no matter how little. That shows God you honor Him and you respect Him. But to borrow, to pay a vow, I'm struggling to see that in my Bible. Because anyone that is owing does not know rest. I don't know if you've borrowed before, you don't know rest. I have borrowed before and I was really, really, really stressed out i was really 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 um uh, my peace was taken away from me because your creditor will keep calling and calling disturbing you and harassing you i don't think god wants that so my summation on this question is don't borrow to pay a vow the only time i will advocate borrowing is only when you want to invest maybe in your business or something that will yield a return. Maybe you want to buy a property that you know will yield a return. Then I will advocate borrowing. But outside that, please don't borrow. I'll see you at the next one. Hi, I'm Chikuto. Welcome to another look at giving. Today we're going to look at the subject that says give frequently. Give as often as you can. Paul speaking to the church in Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, told them to set aside an offering on the first day of the week. In that place, Paul advocated weekly giving. And for you to set it out, that means you need to plan for it. 
That's what tells me that that giving is not just weekly. That giving is daily. Set out money daily towards what you're going to give at the end of the week. Let it be that every day of your life, you give something to somebody else. You give something to the work of God. You make somebody's life improve or better by your giving. Jesus speaking also in Matthew chapter 5, verse 42. He said, give to whoever asks you. And that is one scripture that shocked me. He said, anybody that makes a request to you, give. What you give is not the issue. Then give. You may not have exactly what they are asking for. Then give them what you can afford. I also learned this from my dad. He once told me that he gives to anyone that makes a request from him. No wonder he lived a life of abundance and not lack. He never lacked anything. God always meets him at the point of his need. God always answers whenever he needs something. And he kept on saying till he died that he never, never asked anybody for money. He never went to borrow. He never made a request. He never begged. And God met his need to his last breath because he just obeyed just this commandment of the Lord whenever he was asked for money. So I encourage you to do that. See you at the next one.